Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's happening? I'm Miles Kennedy. Miles, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Too easy, mate. So you released your latest solo album, The Ives of March, last Friday. So how has the reception been so far for it? Well, my mom says she likes it. That's all that counts, then, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a funny one that way. I generally don't read much press, or I, I put a record out and I just kind of, you know... You just throw it out there and walk away. But if my mom, my mom has been surprisingly supportive of this record, so I guess. Uh, <laughs> so after all this time in the industry, mate, like, do you have expectations these days when you put out an album, or do you just do the best you can, put it out there, and, and see what happens? Yeah, I've kind of learned expectations. Uh, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up for. Uh, heartbreak if you're not careful so i you know i think just through doing this time you know so many times that uh, i like to just put a record out and then hopefully tour it which obviously is a little more challenging right now um but uh yeah you know it's uh i think the expectations is for me is it it's something that it's it comes from the songwriting aspect you know when i'm making a record i tend to be my own worst critic and so oftentimes I'll drive myself half crazy trying to you know be at a certain level as a writer and um, so once that's done once I feel like I've, I've made myself happy then all I can do is hope hopefully it'll make somebody else happy but uh, as the worst critic I know of myself uh, you know that's the that's the person I'm trying to get it past right <laughs> uh, this album is uh, more electric guitar and blues based than the previous offering here the tiger like was it always a plan to make an acoustic album followed by an electric one or did it just work out that way you know it was you know having the opportunity to make solo records um i wanted to establish something that was um not as similar to some of the other things that I've been a part of, just yeah. just to try things, you know, just to experiment. It's kind of like, that's the fun of making solo records. It's like, well, I want to make something that's a little more acoustic-based, or I want to make something that's a little more blues-based, have, have a country vibe on it, and just kind of the assimilation of a lot of the different genres that I love and would never explore in the other entities. So I think that, uh, at least for the time being, you know, acoustic based and with a, definitely a blues flair. This record is obviously more plugged in than the first record was, but it still has that. It still has plenty of the acoustic element in it, and also still has plenty of that blues thing that I love so much. So we'll see what the next record is. It could be a complete, you know, maybe a disco record. <laughs> <laughs> and this album also features instruments like the lap steel. You got the mandolin, the slide guitar. There's some jazz elements in it. So musically, it covers a lot of spectrum. So what made you decide to do that instead of just go with this straight out rock album that people would have been expecting? 
Yeah, I think it just kind of goes back to the thing I was alluding to a second ago, which is just, well, hey, you know, I'd never get to play a lap steal uh, with Alter Bridge, so let's 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 do that. It was actually the producer who did the, who's done the he, Elvis, who does so many of the records I'm a part of, and he it was his idea when we started Year of the Tiger. He's like, you know, have you thought about? maybe using the lap steel on some of these songs. I was like, well, I don't play lap steel. I mean, do you want to, should we call someone from Nashville or how do we do this? And he said, well, I've got one in the corner if you just want to try it. So I took it and messed with it for about an hour and found that I just loved it. I was just like, this is just, this instrument's amazing because it's super expressive and, and it's got a, it's just got this vibe to it, very like haunting. So yeah, I just ended up learning how to play it as we went and decided to use it on this record as well. And I could do I could hear it on the next record. You know, it'll probably just be a, a kind of a hallmark of the of the solo record. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so while you were known universally for your vocal abilities, mate, you might be a touch undervalued as a guitarist. So did playing guitar on the Ides of March give you the same satisfaction as focusing primarily on singing? Yeah, that was that was like the big, I, I wanted to make more of a guitar-centric record because I started as a guitar player. I started, you know, way, way, way back when, uh, sitting in my bedroom learning Judas Priest songs and, and uh, you know, Iron Maiden and whatever, and then gradually started getting into other things like, you know, blues and jazz and country and whatnot. So, yeah, I really wanted to, I wanted to take, just like I was alluding to, you're in a solo realm, you want to play a lot of guitar, play a lot of guitar. You can do, you can do whatever you want. It's like you have complete freedom just to try try anything so yeah guitars guitars where i started and having the opportunity to go back there and do all this the solos and just kind of get my get my my jollies (laughs) so in in essence mate in effect like vocals and guitar are both instruments to be mastered but does it make it easier for you to write lyrics and vocal melodies as a sole guitarist in the band in a way yeah because you're as you're writing you have complete control of the chord progressions which so if you come up with a melody you know in conjunction with the chord progression it's it's just a real easy if you would hear the melody going somewhere different all right well i'll just change the chord here and when you're writing with some someone um sometimes actually i gotta be honest with you with both my my co-writers and the other entities they're so great that way where they're where i'll be hey let's try changing this chord from a D to a G. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. If that works for the melody, I'm fine with that. So it usually isn't a problem, which is not often the case. I hear stories <laughs> where guys are, you know, they collaborate with people and they're like, oh yeah, my, my partner doesn't want to change, change his progression and then I have to change my melody. But, uh, but not, not, not in my case, I've been spoiled. <laughs> a bit of a trend these days, mate, with solo albums is uh, a lot of people are bringing in guest artists to sort of feature on it. But I noticed you've resisted the temptation to do that on yours, right? Was there a reason for that or was it just the way it worked out? I think some of it was just this uh, being selfish with wanting to play all the guitar. You know, was, <laughs> I, 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 that's really what it was. I was having so much fun, and there was um, there was one there's a song on the record that I was like, you know, who would just sound amazing on this if we could get him would be Derek Trucks because I'm like I think he's one of the greatest guitar players alive, and I thought either him or also like Warren Haynes. But then once we started cutting the track, I was like, oh, I'm having so much fun playing the slide. I'll just, I'll just give it a, even though I know it's not going to be as good as what they would do. It's still just, it was, it was so fun, you know? Yeah. And, and so maybe, maybe one day I'll get to bring in somebody. 
<laughs> so over your career, mate, like you've played in bands like Ultra Bridge, Slash and the Conspirators, as well as the Mayfield Four, plus you've lent your vocals to many other projects. But what sorts of things you get out of doing a solo project like this that you may not get out of a whole band ordeal? Um, I think just the... It's kind of that freedom to explore things. You know, the other entities are, like, known, like... They, just, they have a very established sound. They're known for doing something. And if you go too far out of that realm, you can alienate that fan base. But with solo records, you're, you know, I'm building, I'm essentially building a whole new base of, of people who are, who are discovering it. So you have the opportunity of evolving and growing and trying new things and seeing if people will embrace it or not. And so that's a, it's, it's, it's fun. It's also really nice when you step back into the other entities that are established and you kind of have your parameters that you stay in. So it's it's a little easier in that sense because you already know what is and isn't going to work. Yeah. But uh, with the solo stuff, it, there's, it's kind of like uh, you have all these options and, and sometimes too many options is a problem. <laughs> I suppose there'd be, um, there'd be less expectation on you too as a solo project, wouldn't there? Yeah, that's that's the thing, which is really great. But the problem, I've talked with other artists who are, who are known in other entities, and they say the same thing, which is when your name's on it, it's like if it's not good, hey, you know, it all falls on you. You can't plug you your fingers. <laughs> exactly. And if you put out a record with a, with, with a, in a band context, yeah, you have to share the responsibility, good and bad. So solo stuff is like it all falls on you. <laughs> And I noticed in the band you've got um, Zia Uden on drums and percussion and Tim Chornier on bass. So not taking anything away from either of those guys because they sound great, but why did you choose them for your solo project rather than use bigger names that would be instantly recognisable? Well, some of it, like for example with Zia, so we played together for the last 30 years off and on. We played together as kids. We were playing the bars by the time we were teenagers, you know, six nights a week, uh, you know, four hours a night. There's just so much history there. And he really is one of, still to this day, one of my favorite drummers. He just has a certain, like there's a certain pocket, like the certain way he feels something that when he starts playing, I'm like, oh, that, yeah. I, because we came up the ranks together. So it's kind of like his feel is in my musical DNA. It just feels like coming home. So to me, that's just the, the obvious choice. And Tim, he's, he's amazing because he's like, an, he's a great guitar player and he's a really, really hard worker. And so I kind of know when I'm working with him um, that he'll be able to facilitate the vision that I hear. And he, and he's very easy to work with. And it's, it's funny because like I demoed all these songs, right? And I pro, like I programmed the drums and played all the instruments and then gave them to the guys. And so Z went in and he did, you know, rewrote the drum parts and, and kind of made them more his own. And, and Tim, when we got in the studio, it was crazy. Like he learned all the bass parts, but he charged, like he wrote them all down. And he like, play, he was playing them so proficiently, but he was, and he was reading them as he was playing. I was like, who does that? Because every bass player I know at this point, you know, nobody reads music. Everybody just, you know, kind of, kind of just uses their ear, but he's such a diligent, well-schooled musician that it was really, it was awesome to see that. So he's, he's, he's amazing. Okay, cool. Uh, you've been performing since 1990, so you've been on stage for more than 30 years, mate. And do you find it easier or harder to come up with new material the more you put out? It's weird because lately I almost can't 
I can't stop writing. It's, it's, you know, sometimes as a writer, you go through like these phases where it ebbs and flows and sometimes you're just feeling creative and sometimes you're not, you have nothing to draw from. So lately I've just, yeah, there's just a lot of things, inspiring things, I guess. And I, so I'm, I, it's funny because I was talking with my producer about that. He said, you know what, man, just keep writing. You're in a groove right now. Don't stop. Just stockpile ideas and stockpile songs because there's going to come a time when that's going to, you know, yeah, slow down right. and you want to be, you want to be well prepared. So I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in the middle of a, of a good phase right now. Fingers crossed. <laughs> cool. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, mate. So I'm going to run through the three major bands that you've been in. And can you tell me how they fit in with your growth as a person and a musician over the years? So firstly, the, sure. May the Mayfield Four. Mayfield Four, so that was the first like real record deal like on a national level. And so I was, I was younger and, and I was learning and I hadn't really found who I was as an artist yet. I was still trying to figure that out. But it definitely taught me to, um, you know, just the, the idea of, of understanding the, how brutal this business can be and I think it, it what it because it kind of had my heart broken early on with that but yet I got back up on the horse and kept going it, it really taught me the idea of not quitting and that was probably the best thing I learned about the Mayfield four was yeah it was it was tough but I I just I'm too stupid to know when to quit okay then I'm um, Alter Bridge Alter Bridge Alter Bridge taught me essentially collaboration you know I, up until that point I was the sole songwriter so with Alter Bridge I learned how to be in a situation with a co-writer and how how to that interplay works and how that can be really great you know that's just a I feel like it can you can you can pull something out of each other that you normally wouldn't do when you left your own devices mm -hmm. and finally slashing the conspirators slashing conspirators uh you know what? That's that's taught me. First of all, it it's a lot of touring, and I think that it definitely helped me in the sense that uh, it kind of toughened me up a little bit in, on a number of levels. Levels. Um, I think when I stepped into that, obviously, he's he's an icon, and there's certain uh, perceptions and there's certain levels that you need to be at, and so it was it was something where. It's kind of being thrown. It's like being thrown into the deep end of the pool and learning how to swim. And so it was really good for me because I, at, at that point, even though I was in Alter Bridge and had been in Mayfield Four, I always considered myself as more of a songwriter. And I was kind of the guy who, who thrived in just being in a studio and working on songs. And with that, suddenly I was put in a position where it's like, well, you're you're going to be the front man. So it was learning how to become that guy. And I, it took a few years. It took a few records to where I started to get comfortable with it. But it was good for my it was good for my growth as a performer for sure. It's actually good, like, from an outsider's point of view, like mine looking in. Like, I saw you play a few times with Slash, and I think it was three times I saw you out here in Australia with different shows, and you could actually visibly see and hear your progression as a musician each time. Like, um, your confidence grew a little bit more every time, and your, your power and your stage presence, like, it was like little snapshots, but every time you could see a market difference. So, cool. Thanks. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, because, boy, it was, you know, initially, I remember the first time I went to Australia, it was when we, you know, played that that uh i think it was a lot it was like a live thing i think we did it for mtv and it was just like it was such a, a new world 
you know, and I sometimes some of that footage will come up like in your feed, like on your Instagram or whatever, and I'll see that. I'll be like, oh man, you can you can just tell I was the guy who they who's just so used to being in his bedroom writing songs, and he's staring next to Slash, right? <laughs> Quite surreal. <laughs> so you're probably in, in a better position than most to answer this, mate. But if you had a list of the ten commandments of rock, what would your top three be? <laughs> top three. The t- oh, this is a good question. Okay. Um, thou shalt, um, <laughs> thou shalt worship at the altar of Led Zeppelin. Uh, <laughs> uh, thou shalt, uh, let's see, um, uh, uh, thou shalt, <laughs> thou shalt not wear pants that are too tight because they will rip on stage. <laughs> I, I, I've had that happen. I had this guy, this old friend, he used to, whenever he, I would go to a store in New York and he'd be like, oh man, you got to wear, like what size pants do you wear? I'm like, oh, I think I wear like a, like 30 or something. He goes, well, put on these 28s and you know, they would rip on stage and it would be horribly embarrassing. So, so I learned my lesson there. And the third, <laughs> the, the third commandment, uh, you know what, man, it's just like be yourself. You know, rock and roll is freedom. And that's, that's the, I think that's the number one. That's the beauty of rock and roll. It's all about just being you, man. And don't, uh, don't let anybody, you know, harsh your trip. That's my opinion. Beautiful. Fantastic, Miles. Well, thanks very much for joining us today. The Ives of March is out now, and it's a fantastic album. But beautiful, Miles. You're an absolute champion and a gentleman, mate. Thanks very much for your time, and we hope to see you in Australia sooner rather than later. Thank you, brother. Try and stay warm. <laughs> I've got me gloves. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care, mate. We'll see you. Okay, bye-bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.